the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. They've got the haircut, they're clean shaved. Why? Because they're standing before the judge. And they want to make a good impression on the judge. Because they understand he's the judge and he's judging me. So I want to look my best and I'm going to say, yes, Your Honor, no, Your Honor, thank you, Your Honor. Right? There's a level of respect there. Now, if we have that kind of respect for a human judge, How much more should we have respect for Jesus Christ, the judge of all mankind? How would you act if you found yourself in a courtroom with all of your acts, good or bad, on full display before a judge? While our human judges aren't perfect, if they're the ones deciding your fate, you're going to exercise some respect. As Pastor Dan will explain in today's message, God is the ultimate righteous judge. When all of this ends, every single human will stand before Him. He's already offered a means of redemption for you through Christ. I would take Him up on that if you haven't already. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 5 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. John chapter 5, and this is our third study in chapter 5. We started this uh, chapter three weeks ago, and remember this chapter began with Jesus healing a lame man by the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. That created this controversy that is unfolding in the chapter as we've been studying through it. So, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, John the Baptist, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. 
I have come in my Father's name, and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Well, as, as I said, this chapter began with Jesus healing a man miraculously, a lame man, a paralyzed man. Uh, but he did that miracle on the Sabbath day, and he broke the Sabbath rules, the Sabbath traditions or laws uh, that they had created for Judaism. He broke man-made rules, not, not the word of God. And then in chapter 5, Jesus asserts his deity. He, he asserts that he is God, that he's God incarnate, that he's God in the flesh. Uh, and this is one of the main themes of the Gospel of John, uh, that Jesus was the word made flesh, for the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, that Jesus was God incarnate, that he was Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, And the religious leaders that Jesus speaks to here in chapter 5, they understood what Jesus was saying. They understood that he was implying that he is God by his words. If you look back in verse 17, Jesus said, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Uh, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God, or making himself God. And so the religious leaders understood what he was saying, that he was declaring his deity, declaring that he is God. Uh, And then we saw last week in our study, in verses 19 to 30, Jesus defended himself, He, he defended his deity, and he defended himself by declaring that his life and works are in perfect agreement with the Father, uh, that everything that he did and said was in harmony with the Father. And the the reason that his life was in harmony with the Father is because uh, Jesus and the Father are one. Uh, Jesus will say later on in the Gospel of John, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, So clearly he he asserts his deity uh, in this chapter and elsewhere in the Gospel of John. Of John. Jesus also said in verse 27, you look at verse 27, he also said that the Father has given him authority to execute judgment. Jesus says in verse 27 that he is the judge of mankind. Let me back up and say, do you guys realize there's a judgment? And that Jesus is the judge. That's what he's declaring in verse 27. And try to imagine this scene, this conversation that Jesus had with the religious leaders of Judaism, with the priests and the scribes and the elders of Israel. They're they're in Jerusalem. They're probably in the temple courts having this conversation. You can picture the priests in their, their robes, in their garments, you know, and here's Jesus and they, they accuse Jesus of making himself equal with God. And Jesus affirms their accusation that, yes, he is equal with God. 
But then he takes it a step further and he says, not only is he equal with God, but then he says to these religious leaders, and I'm your judge and I'm the judge and I'm going to judge you and I'm going to judge your life. What he does is he takes this whole scene and he flips it and he reverses it on these religious leaders. These religious leaders are seeking to kill Jesus. They've passed judgment on Jesus. They see themselves as the judges. And they are judging Jesus in their mind. But the truth is, Jesus is the judge. And Jesus will judge them. And he tells them so. You know, there are people today who put themselves in the position of judge. And they judge Jesus Christ. And they say, well, I I don't agree with what Jesus says about this. And I don't agree with Jesus about that. Or they judge the word of God. And I I disagree with what the Bible says about this. And I disagree with what the Bible. I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe this is true. Listen, listen. We are not the judges. (laughs) Jesus is the judge. We're not going to judge him. He's going to judge us. We got to keep that straight. Don't, Don't get that confused. You know, in a, in a human courtroom, there's no question who the judge is. When you go into a human courtroom, just, you know, if you go down to the courthouse here in Howard County, down in Ellicott City, you go into a courtroom, there's no question who is the judge and who's being judged in that courtroom. You never see a defendant stand before a judge and say, are, are you the judge? I thought I was the judge. I thought I was judging you. You're telling me you're judging me. I'm confused. Who's the judge here? There's no question who the judge is in that courtroom. Everybody knows who the judge is, especially that defendant. And so that defendant shows up and they've got a nice suit on, maybe wearing a suit for the first time in their lives. Why? Because they're standing before a judge. They've got their hair cut. They're clean shaved. Why? Because they're standing before the judge and they want to make a good impression on the judge. Because they understand he's the judge and he's judging me. So I want to look my best and I'm going to say, yes, your honor. No, your honor. Thank you, your honor. Right. There's a level of respect there. Now, if we have that kind of respect for a human judge, how much more should we have respect for Jesus Christ, the judge of all mankind? And so Jesus here, uh, he tells them, hey, I'm going to be the judge of you. And so now we come to verse 31, where we pick up the story, uh, where we left off last week. And now in verse 31, what Jesus does is he uh, calls a series now of four witnesses who testify to who he is. Jesus is on trial here before these religious leaders, and he's going to call four character witnesses, if you will. To testify to who he is. Now, according to the law of Moses, Jesus is born a Jew. He's under the law. Uh, He's living according to the law. He's not breaking the law. He's fulfilling the law. According to the law of Moses, two witnesses were required to establish a matter as true. Uh, I'll read you a verse from uh, Deuteronomy 19. You don't have to turn there. You can just listen. Uh, Deuteronomy 19.15. One witness shall not arise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. So two or three witnesses were required according to the law to establish a matter as fact or as true. Jesus calls four witnesses. 
He exceeds the requirement of the law. So in other words, he's, he's, this is a slam dunk case he's presenting here. Overwhelming evidence that he is truly the son of God. In verse 31, he says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Now, when he says my witness is not true, he's not saying that he's lying about himself. Uh, he's saying his testimony alone is not enough to prove his case. His testimony alone is not valid. He needs additional testimony of others to establish the matter. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. So he says in verse 32, There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. And he's speaking of the testimony of the Father, which we're going to talk about more in a minute. And so now verse 33 Verse 33, Jesus calls his first witness to the witness stand to testify to who he is. And his first witness is John the Baptist. You have sent to John. Remember, he's speaking to the religious leaders. You have sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. Jesus says, my first witness, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was no ordinary witness. He wasn't a paid informant. He wasn't a snitch. John the Baptist is an extraordinary witness to call. John was born the son of a priest. His father was a priest, Zacharias. John, being the son of a priest, he was in line to become a priest himself. He is the son of a religious leader. (laughs) Jesus is telling this to religious leaders. And John and John's father was... One of them. He was a son of a priest. And John's conception and birth were both miraculous works of God. It was no ordinary birth. Uh, If you want to turn with me back to Luke chapter 1, we'll look at the story of the announcement of uh, the the birth of John the Baptist when it was announced to Zacharias, his father. Back in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. It says, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. This is John's father. Of the division of Abiah, his wife was the daughter of Aaron. So his wife, her name was Elizabeth. She also was from a priestly family. So both his parents were from priestly families. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. She was unable to conceive. 
and they were both well advanced in years. They have no children, and at this point, uh, they're beyond the childbearing age, so they can't have children at this point. So it was that while he, Zacharias, was serving as priest before God in the order of his division according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. You can stop right there. You can give me your attention. They had a multitude of priests, so they, basically they created a schedule. Uh, and each priest served for two weeks out of the year. And then they, had, they drew lots to divide up the responsibilities. And so on this particular occasion, it's Zacharias's week to work at the temple in Jerusalem, and he drew the lot to burn the incense in the temple, at the altar of incense, which the incense, it represented the prayers of the people going up, the smoke going up, uh, represented the prayers of the people going up before God in heaven. Now, this opportunity for Zacharias, this is going to be the only time in his life that he gets to burn incense on the altar of incense in the temple. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. He's an old guy, and this is the first time that he has that this lot has fallen to him. First time in his life, and it's going to be the only time in his life that he gets such a privilege to be in the temple, burning the incense, representing the prayers of the people. So this is a special day for him, special event. It says in verse 10, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. The people would gather outside the temple. They would offer their prayers as the smoke of the incense was rising up to heaven. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, appeared to Zacharias as he's in the temple, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. This angel appears to him and says, your prayer is heard. They're old people at this point. They probably haven't prayed that prayer in years. They've given up on that prayer. God's never going to answer that. And now this angel appears and says to Zacharias, who's an elderly man at this point, your prayer has been heard. You're going to have a son, and his name's going to be John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Look what it says in verse 15, speaking of John the Baptist. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. That's what every parent wants for their child. That their child be great in the sight of the Lord. And make millions of dollars. But other than that, but first you want to be great in the sight of the Lord, right? And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit, go before him, go before the Lord, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so he has this amazing promise about His son, he's going to have a son, a miraculous conception and birth. The son's going to be named John, and he's going to prepare the way for the Lord to come. Prepare the way for the Messiah to come. Now understand 
that between the end of the Old Testament and this event, 400 years go by. And from the end of the Old Testament to this point, God's silent. God doesn't send a prophet. Uh, God doesn't send a message. God's not speaking. They're called the 400 silent years. And so you've got the end of the Old Testament where God seems to stop speaking. There's no more prophets in Israel. Then you've got this. Where now an angel appears and announces that this child will be born, John, who's going to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. Now God breaks the silence with John the Baptist. And you know the ministry of John the Baptist when he began his ministry. He called people to repentance and baptism. And we are told in the Gospels that many people... Many people from all over came to John, repented of their sins, and were baptized. And it was this great, powerful move of God like they had never seen in their lifetime before. No one living at that time had ever seen anything like this before. And if you go back to John chapter 5, Jesus says to these religious leaders, you, in verse 33, you have sent to John... And he has borne witness to the truth. The religious leaders went out to the Jordan River to investigate John's ministry because they heard about it. They knew about it. So they went out to investigate his ministry. The ministry of John the Baptist was was a current thing for these religious leaders. It wasn't old news. It wasn't something that happened thousands of years before that they had no way of really verifying it was, it was happening. It was current. And Jesus even reminds them, you went out and you spoke to John. You investigated his ministry and John gave his testimony to you. And he's borne witness to the truth. What was the testimony of John the Baptist? We'll turn back to chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 19. John's, Jesus calls John the Baptist as his first witness. And he says, you've got the testimony of John the Baptist. What was the testimony of John the Baptist? Look at verse 19, the first sentence. Now this is the testimony of John. There we go. That's pretty clear. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed. And he did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And why did John say that? Because there were many people that thought he was the Messiah. That's how, that's how powerful his ministry was. People were saying, is this the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? So yeah, right up front, he said, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? Well, if you're not the Messiah, you must be a prophet. Are you Elijah? I'm not. Are you the prophet? Meaning the prophet that Moses spoke of in, Dan- in Deuteronomy 18. He answered, No. Then they asked him, well, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. 
If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray too for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you that they would be protected from the enemy and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. Though our time with you is at an end for today, we'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John, or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth. It's true.